Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in, friends, to the Jazz Mill Broadcast, a celebration of all things jazz, featuring the great music of and interviews with some of the hottest singers and players on the planet. As always, your calls and feedback are welcome. Now, your host, Scott Henderson. Welcome in, friends, to the Jazz Mill Broadcast, a celebration of all things jazz, featuring the great music of and interviews with some of the hottest singers and players on the planet. As always, your calls and feedback are welcome. Now, your host, Scott Henderson. Ah, that's me. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. Welcome in, folks, to the Jazz Bill Podcast. Like the man says, I am your host, Scott Henderson. And for the next hour or so, we are going to do our level best to entertain you with great music, great interviews, the hottest players, singers, authors, composers, and conductors on this planet. As always, we invite your calls at 515-602-9600. And uh, if you'd rather play around in the chat room, that too is an option for you. Uh, Hey, let's punch up my Jazz Mill co-host and segment producer, Greg Rockingham, who has been keeping the beat since he was five years old. He is an alumnus of the prestigious Interlochen Arts Academy in Northeastern University. Greg has worked with Nancy Wilson, Freddie Cole, Kenny Burrell, uh, Glenn Miller, Steely Dan, and many, many more. Presently, he plays with the Soul Message Band. They are the hottest B3 combo east of the Mississippi, in my humble opinion. And they can be heard weekly at Chicago's historic Green Mill and elsewhere in the Midwest. Welcome in, G-Rock. How are you, pal? How you doing, Scott? I'm uh, hanging I'm in good, there. I'm good, man. Doing well. You're hanging right. <laughs> You're properly <laughs> caffeinated, I hope. we got a real treat in store today. Uh, we've got a returning guest, uh, Brent Fisher, who uh, really lit it up the last time out when he was on uh, several months ago. But uh, by far, our best listenership numbers uh, were when Brent was on with us. He's got great stories and just brings up uh, a wonderful perspective from a Grammy Award-winning artist. And boy, does he have his thumb in a lot of pies. Uh, he he, he uh, as I said, a Grammy Award-winning producer, composer, arranger, musician. Uh, he carries on the legacy of his father, Dr. Claire Fisher. His arranging credits appear on over 30 million. That's 30 million albums for artists, including Usher, Michael Jackson, Pancho Sanchez, Peter Erskine, Robert Palmer, Elvis Costello, Tony Braxton, Al Jarreau, George Duke, Natalie Cole and Prince, just to name a few. Uh, welcome in, Brent. How are you, Maestro? Hello, Scott and Greg. Well, I'm I'm having a beautiful morning right now, sitting here drinking <laughs> some tea with my jazz mill coffee mug. Ah, or, fantastic! Or I suppose, oh, there you yeah, go. I, the, <laughs> I, I suppose I should call it my jazz mill tea mug, right? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, anyway, if you like, yeah. Um, 
proud, proud, proud how are you guys? It, uh, uh, I, Greg, are we well? I feel well. I'm, I'm having coffee out of my mug, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in my studio with my trusty uh, hound dog, uh, Vinny. Uh, he's a yellow lab, and uh, he's just taking in the show. He always, it's always right here, riding shotgun. Uh, All right. So yeah, it's just great to be able to visit again, uh, Brent. We learned so much last night, and we so appreciated the, uh, you know, the glimpse inside the huddle when you were working with all of these uh, artists who who have lots of, uh, you know, complicating person. I mean, their personalities are big, and they're. Uh, artistic abilities are big, and that sometimes lends to uh, all kinds of interesting things going on during a during a session. And you were nice enough to share those with us. That's great stuff to a to an amateur like myself. But boy, have you been busy, Brent? Uh, I follow you on your uh, website and on uh, social media, and uh, uh, I think you may have your fingers in more pies than Sarah Lee. That's that's what I say to you. Uh, you, <laughs> oh, good. you are. <laughs> <laughs> you are so busy, uh, it, 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 with so many plates spinning. I I got to ask you this again: uh, when you describe your work, uh, how do you summarize it? How do you capture all of it when you when you talk talk to somebody? Well, let's see. I would say that the primary importance that I place on anything that I do is. Um, it is create it's about creativity so because i'm working with so many genres and i'm you know cutting across a lot of different cultures working with a lot of international artists too um that's something that for me i i find these common threads of course you know the musical language is is shared by us all as we're endeavoring to create music and and so it's it's that part exactly the creative part that is I think yes. the most interesting to me uh, and and uh, it doesn't matter to me what the style is if it's you know uh, if it, if it's uh, an international style maybe some somewhere on the planet that uh, maybe a lot of people don't know about except for the people from that country. Uh, or yes. whether it's, uh, you know, a, a pop culture thing that we're doing uh, right here in the U.S. that has sort of worldwide engagement. Uh, it's all about being creative and what can we do that's, that's going to carry on this music and, and also uh, show what we have learned from the past, right? You know, uh, the old yes. saying, those who... Those who are not mindful of history are condemned to repeat it, uh, which is yes. why every once in a while we will hear a song on the radio and think, oh, wait, that reminds me of this other tune that I heard 40 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, right. It, yeah, this, it's important to sort of be mindful of history and, and, to, and to show your, show your uh, sort of, um, you know, sh- it, you show how this mindfulness is uh, manifested in, in what you write because you've been listening, you've been looking, not that I'm any walking encyclopedia of any one style. That's the thing. When you spread yourself out between many styles, I can't go here and, you know, rattle off song titles and names and stuff like that of any, any one given style. 
uh, I do, you know, like to think I have a good knowledge of things, but it's also the, you know, the, the totality of, of things that are happening around the world, stuff that I find new and interesting um, yes. all the time as I'm, you know, meeting new people or brand new artists that are calling me and uh, get a chance to work with them for the first time. So that's, that would, I, that, that's what I would say is the crux of yeah. uh, what I'm after at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer at its core creativeness and, uh, you know, an open ear uh, too, Brent, I just heard you kind of imply to, uh, you know, stuff that's maybe kind of new to you, you know, but uh, agreeable to, uh, work in different styles of music, and that's one of the things that, you know, I think people, me included, uh, I get I get stuck in a particular groove, you know, and I love that groove. Believe me, the, you know, and I think of all the songs from the Great American Songbook, and Greg, maybe you'd agree, but uh, boy, I love those songs so much. It's hard for me to leave much room for for other stuff. But then, <laughs> you know, an artist, you know what I mean? An artist like you will come along though. Uh, Brent and and you'll you'll and I'll say I like that too a lot and and I want to play play some of your music. We're going to play actually several of your songs today. Uh, some uh, we'll have you set up and uh, Greg is going to do a, a, a song analysis. Uh, we call it Rock's Breakdown, where he you know sort of dissects uh, music and tells us what we're hearing. And uh, we're, we're going to do one of yours, and then we're going we're to play our audience out with another one. But the ones that you suggested to us, uh, I'd like to maybe start with uh, the Butterfly Samba. Uh, can, can you talk that one up a little bit for us, please? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, just amazing how this stuff all comes together. So, uh, you know, and speaking of the Great American Songbook, I've been doing my level best in the last, uh, let's say, decade, two decades. Uh, before that, I, you know, I spent there was there was a good portion of my life where I was just uh, kind of I was happy to be a bass player touring around the world, and uh, I wasn't thinking that much about uh, writing music, about producing, about all these other things that go on. I was just happy to be kind of like one of the little cogs in the machine. But uh, but as I uh, as I, you know, was going through that period, I discovered that uh, there were a lot of songs that, you know, my dad had written before I was born. And, uh, Mm. you know, we I was I was focusing on the stuff that we were doing with his uh, Salsa Picante band or one of the other bands that I was playing bass in with him. Uh, And and then to, to start to find out about some of this this older material that he was written when he was a really young man. And uh, one of them was um, actually something that he, he decided to pull out one day. I, I think he had a student over and they were talking about, you know, beginning composition and stuff like that. Or, you know, when a, when a songwriter or composer starts to write music, uh, what do you come up with? And, and so he pulled out a bunch of, these old works uh one of them i will tell you was uh it's you know just amazing piece that uh later on we ended up uh, putting on an album because it was so interesting to us uh, you know the student and i and and then i played it for other people and they oh wait a second claire you never recorded this and you know my dad would say 
Uh, no, I just kind of put it away as uh, one of those adventurous, youthful, you know, uh, things that uh, don't really need wider uh, recognition. And we said, oh, no, 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 we got to put this on an album. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we, we uh, toyed around with it for many years and we made a recording during my father's lifetime. And that finally got released in 2016 on our Out of the Blue album. So that was a posthumous release, but it was a recording that uh, we made during my dad's lifetime. And that's, uh, yeah, it, um, let's see. We started out with uh, myself on vibes, my dad on keyboard, and we, we recorded it as a duo. And then we decided to add bass and drums to it. So I put the bass yeah. track down, uh, and, and then uh, we had Peter Erskine come in and lay down the drum track. Mm-hmm. And so that became Star Bright that was released on our Out of the Blue album. So that's one uh-huh. song. The other song that I think really just resonated with us, e- even more so, uh, was this butterfly samba. Now, the original title, of course, was in Portuguese, Samba de Borboleta. Excuse my pronunciation there. Um, and, and so, you know, he had gone down to Brazil in something like 1960, 1961. He was one of the mm. first guys to come back and start to play all these Brazilian rhythms up here. And as a matter of fact, if you go on YouTube and you pull up an old TV show called Frankly Jazz, and I can't hmm. remember the host right now, but I think his first name yeah. was Frank. I think that's why they named the TV show that. But <laughs> it's uh, it's something in the in the early '60s. It's, it's so cool, you know, the way they're they're sitting on the set. Everybody's wearing the black suits with the white shirt and black tie. <laughs> right. You know, kind kind of like that, and and you know, people uh, are smoking cigarettes and that whole. You know the whole '60s ethos is just uh, is just right. dripping from that TV show. But but anyway, uh, he um, yeah. So he's uh, he's performing on there uh, this this song Samba de Borboleta, and uh, but I I was completely unaware of this. All I all I saw was the you know the printed music on paper, and I, I looked at it. And the yeah. first thing I did was you know I learned the melody on vibes, and I thought. Wow, this is this is a great tune. We got to do something with this, and we did. We played it uh, quite a bit during his lifetime, um, and then, you know, he passed away, and I thought to myself, okay, I've got to do something with this. Uh, and at the same time, a uh, good friend of mine, great singer, used to be one of the singers in the uh, Claire Fisher vocal group. Um, two plus two, which, you know, had won a few Grammys back in the eighties. Um, so she's also a great lyricist, Darlene Coldenhoven and fantastic singer, great lyricist. And so she just, she just uh, sent something to me in an email and she said, Hey, I was just, you know, laying around one day and with the song butterfly Samba going in my head. And I, I just came up with some lyrics. And she sent these lyrics to me and I thought, this is fantastic. It's so creative and just, you know, it's, it's everything I think that my dad would have loved to have in a lyric had he seen it during his lifetime. Uh, He was always, you know, you can look at, you can look at my dad's own lyrics that he wrote the, the song morning, which is his, 
I, I guess that's the one song that you can say is a maybe not part of the great American songbook. I'm trying to get some Claire Fisher in there uh, as, you know, on, as more than just a peripheral, uh, you know, side note as far as the songbook. But, sure, but it sure. is considered a Latin standard. And uh, he wrote the lyrics to that himself. And then he worked with uh, he worked with uh, other people to get official Spanish and Portuguese language lyrics for the same song "Morning." So I just thought, you know, knowing what I know about the way my dad writes lyrics and the the lyrics that he enjoyed over the years, uh, you know, the work that he did with other lyricists. Um, I thought this was a great, this is a great match. And so just like we did, uh, well, you can hear it on the previous show that you and I did where, where we, uh, you know, we had Darlene write lyrics to my song, Sad About Nothing Blues. In this case, case, uh, Darlene wrote these lyrics for Butterfly Samba. She just sort of gave them to me and I said, okay, now that, that lit a fire under me. Now I need to do something. So I started sitting down and thinking about the best way to treat this in a big band setting with a great vocalist. And, uh, you know, it, it just started coming out little by little. Uh, the ideas started flowing and then it got, you know, more and more. And, and then we started thinking about production, rehearsing with the band. Uh, who would I ask to sing this? And, you know, knowing full well that actually there would be very few singers that would be able to sing it because it's a fast song. It requires sure. a very precise enunciation. And, and then the chord changes are not you know, they're, they're not uh, that easy. I wouldn't say they're the most difficult chord changes that my dad ever wrote, but, um, and, and, you know, I embellished them a little bit as part of the arrangement. So I thought, you know, it would be great if we had, if we could get Roberta Gambarini in on this. And, and amazingly Mm -hmm. at the same time, her manager had called me about this, uh, some some other project I, I think that that uh, they wanted uh, I think they wanted a Claire Fisher song for another project that they were working on and so I helped them with that and then they helped me with this and it just came out beautifully I I was so happy with it and uh, you know how I would treat this idea of making butterfly sounds from uh, high woodwind trills <laughs> like flutes and clarinets and yeah. Uh, especially you can hear at the end of the song, it kind of sounds like a bunch of butterflies scattering as the woodwinds yeah. uh, flutter yes. off in, in all different directions. And amazingly, when I got the album released and uh, it got very good, this was on our Intenso album, which is of course the word intense uh-huh. in Spanish. And, yes. um, and so uh it, it, it corresponds, it's a, it's a corollary to our other album, Ritmo, which means rhythm in Spanish. And that was uh, the one that won a Grammy in 2013, Claire Fisher Latin Jazz Big Band Ritmo. And so what I decided to do was make these two albums related because they were both Latin Jazz Big Band albums. Sure. So we've got Ritmo sure. and Intenso. And when you put those together, Ritmo and Intenso in English means intense rhythm or intense rhythm. Yes. So, um, so that worked out nicely, but this, this butterfly Samba is on there. And, uh, 
about two years after that even, I discovered that there was an old George Shearing album that was completely arranged by Claire Fisher. And one of the songs on there, in its instrumental form, no lyrics, no singer, uh, is... uh, is the Butterfly Samba, of course, with, with its original Portuguese title, Samba da Borboleta. And, uh-huh. uh, and and I listened to my dad's arrangement. Sadly, I don't have the scores. You know, this is another one of those scores that was just lost over the decades. Yeah. And the but I could sure. hear him. Uh, I could hear the ideas. He had similar instrumentation. It wasn't exactly big band. It was more uh, like rhythm section and uh, perhaps about eight to ten wind players but he had a lot of the same devices that i was using in my arrangement uh with the flute trills and and stuff like that and i i thought mm-hmm. this is amazing we we were thinking about the same thing when we were both about the same age but separated by you know, uh-huh. about 40 years and yeah. uh yeah. so it, that, that was just great to, to discover that that's a what a wonderful discovery. Oh, my God. That must have just filled your, your heart with happiness to, to know that uh, – I don't know if it's an argument for nature or nurture or both or whatever, but, <laughs> uh, boy, did, did you get it right on this, uh, Brent. What, what more would you add? Oh, I, I think that's, that's about it as far as that That's story. ample. Yeah, we've sure. got a good feel for it. And uh, as our listeners uh, cozy up to this, just – just imagine you're in a you're in a comfy chaise lounge on Ipanema Beach and and this is playing in your earbuds. Pretty little butterfly, you flit and flutter, tripping down and wandering over Flower to release a special power sharing Start a story With each other Where did you begin your journey Or are you nearby returning Or do you come alone with a friend and the flower Stopping by to say hello to every little Proud and color flower Blowing gently in the sun You linger for a moment till the warm air Blows to guide you On your merry way Oh, 
could hear the butterflies. Yeah. Greg, could you hear the butterflies? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I could totally That's hear wonderful. them. Wonderful. Uh, I'm so glad you pointed that detail out, uh, Brett. That is such a delight. I'm telling you where to begin. Greg, I'll give you first uh, bite of the apple. What, what did you hear? Did you catch that tasty drum fill? Uh, I know you did. Uh, but what were your takeaways? Oh. Yeah, uh, he mentioned that uh, you mentioned that that was uh, Peter Erskine, right? Uh, no, that was on another track. That was on the Starbite track. So this actually, this drummer, uh, sadly, he passed away of cancer in 2019. His name was Ron Monog, and uh, oh. he played in my band for a good. Oh, I don't know, like eight to ten years. He was the regular drummer. He is on a lot of the Intenso album and our Pacific Jazz album. And uh, just a beautiful guy. Played all different styles. I could use him on rock sessions or, uh, you know, whatever we were doing. If we were doing like a Top 40 related thing. uh, But, you know, he knew all the jazz stuff and all the Latin grooves. And uh, he, he was just a phenomenal guy. And I really miss him. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. Uh, the, 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 his playing was, I, I never, I never heard, uh, he's new to, he would be new to me now that you explained, uh, explained that. But it sounds great, all the different things that are going on in the band, uh, uh, the tasteful playing, uh, the, the back and forth, uh, just wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful. And thank you. Also with the style, you know, the samba and just incredible. That's enough said as far as I'm concerned. It's just wonderful. We, 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 we three are lovers of samba, like maybe no other kind of music. It can take me uh, to one of my happy places. And that's, you know, sitting under a palm tree with a, with a cool adult beverage. And, uh, that one just is, uh, absolutely capable of transforming me there. And, uh, like you've started to mention there, Greg, I think the, the, the trading of the eights with voice and instrument and back and forth, the different things coming and going. And, uh, it, it, was this a tough one to, to get in the can, Brent? Uh, it strikes me with, with all that fancy, uh, uh, uh lyric, work uh and the scatting and all of that i i suppose that this one could have been hard to hard to get a final version of well and i i forgot to mention also that's scott whitfield uh singing the uh the male voice part uh Uh one one of those guys who uh you know just as my dad was able to work with a wonderful singer who was also a great wind instrument player who was the saxophonist flutist clarinetist uh, don shelton and also, you know, a member oh, of yeah, uh, yeah. Philos and the Singers Unlimited. Uh, so, right, too, right, I, right. I have this uh, real great pleasure of working with Scott Whitfield, who not only is uh, probably one of the best trombonists on the planet, but uh, he's also a phenomenal uh, singer. He's, the, he's one of the guys that sings, and he's one of the singers on Sad About Nothing Blues. And so I, you know, I love to find spots for him to, to do stuff. And, uh, and so this was one of them, but yeah, I would say, you know, it's interesting that you, you say that because we were, uh, we were recording another song, uh, right before this. And it was a long day. I think we had uh, two days in the studio to, to put this entire album together. And, uh, the, uh, the one that we were working on in the afternoon before we did butterfly Samba for our evening session, uh, it, it was pretty tricky and that one uh 
we did have some, you know, we had to go back and forth and do things and, and uh, stop and start yeah. again. And there was a lot of that going on. And, you know, of course it's, uh, it can get a little stressful in the studio there. And at the same time, this is all showing up. Um, I, you know, this, this is all happening in the studio. Uh, then, uh, you know, I look in and the guest that I had invited to uh, witness our uh, recording, the Butterfly Samba, they're starting yeah. to filter into the control room and I can see them in there. <laughs> and we finally got this, we finally got this other song recorded and that was the stressful part. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to take another sip of my uh, Jasmine. Yeah. Try, try your. <laughs> mm. So uh, uh, anyway, I was, I was going to say, uh, so, so that these people are all showing up. Finally, we get this song done uh, and we're all tired, you know, but we, we've got, we take a little yeah. break and then we come back in and uh, no, I thought to myself, by Samba was going to be, uh, not easy to record, but it was going to be fun enough that I think it'd be it'd be great to have people in there uh, witnessing all this coming together at the uh, session. Totally. And uh, we we filmed them, and that's part of the uh, that's part of the trailer that you can see on YouTube, where you know we're talking about making the Intenso album. A little bit uh, there there are some scenes where you can see us as we are uh recording the butterfly samba and so it it actually i mean yeah it was it was definitely uh something you know that uh doesn't just put you know get put together very easily but everybody (laughs) was on their game and and i think the fact that we had the audience there you know made everybody sit up and say okay we're performing now we're not just recording we're recording (laughs) and performing at the same time so let's do this Uh right uh and uh and so yeah so it's really it it was just a joy (laughs) it was a wonderful way to end the uh the two days of recording that we had done there um yeah with you know some uh some stressful moments where things were not going exactly right and we had to you know make some adjustments and all that but then most of it like i said most of it was uh yeah, I know. I know how to pick my players, and uh, so I, you know, I knew, I knew what we had to do, but I knew that they could do it also. So I, I was, yes. you know, I was pretty yes. confident throughout the whole thing. So it was, a, it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Hitchcock, the great American film director, he thought that. Uh, almost 80 or 90 percent of making a great movie was casting and uh, i bet you'd agree (laughs) in uh, picking and picking bandmates i bet it's the same darn thing but uh boy you got it right uh brent and uh uh, somewhere dr claire fisher is smiling broadly uh when 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 you play that when you ever have a chance to play that because that is just delightful we will post uh, the making of that uh, particular recording uh, on our show portal so that people can can pick up on what you just mentioned, Brent. Uh, but that is such okay. a delight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, I'm so glad you suggested that one so tight rhythmically and in every other way, just high quality orchestral jazz and a samba. That, that, that checks all the boxes for me. How about you, Greg? Oh, it definitely does. And, and the, the, <laughs> The name that uh, uh, that sticks out because that was one of my uh, groups that I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, 
was Don Shelton. Uh, not many people would 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 just say that name, as, you know, as and I listened to him when he was in Singers Unlimited. So not knowing the the personnel, when he said uh, Don Shelton, that that's that's part of my childhood, uh, which is another another story and why I <laughs> listened to that. So we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, that was great. That was great. And uh, then when I was it. listening at first, well, at first when she was chatting and all that, and uh, I'm not as fortunate as you guys are right now. I'm uh, on my way to a, a, a important rehearsal. Well, a rehearsal. I don't know how important it is, but uh, to a rehearsal. <laughs> and, and for a second, uh, I had to switch lanes, and I said, "Wow, she's got a a incredible range, and she sounds almost like like, like a man." Uh, and it was it, it was him, uh, so that that got me for a second. But I'm then I had to pull, pull to the side and pay more attention. But that was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, you talk about a, talk about a range, huh? Wow, wait. Uh, now it's such such. I mean, I, both seem to have really easy range uh, in their own uh, separate ways. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's a ten out of ten, Brent. No question about it. So, uh, so uh, uh, thank, thank you. you. And being too nice, that's eleven out of ten. That's eleven to twelve. <laughs> Twenty. Let's start a new scale, for yeah. goodness' sake. Well, that's yeah. a beauty. That's a wonderful one to start with, and a tough act to follow. But uh, we're going to try to do that. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you to talk about uh, parade, which is the next one I have in queue. Uh, can you tell us how that came together, Brent? Yeah, sure. It's it's actually the second music project that I've ever worked on in my life with that title, Parade. Uh, the first one being the album for Prince in 1986. Ah. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was unusual that this song, that this song funny, had yeah. that same name. So yep. it's uh, yeah, it's actually this uh, this this you know fantastic uh, keyboardist from um, uh, what is it Philadelphia, and her name is Charu Suri. She's Indian American, actually born in India, uh, and Charu. I guess she's she's lived here for for most of her life. I think she came here as a child, and at the same time she was growing up uh, learning classical Indian music, which you know their uh, their scales are referred to as ragas, and it's actually more than just a scale. And I've seen this I've seen this in other in the musics of some other countries that I have studied as well. I did a little bit of uh, ethno musical research when I was a college student. But uh, the way ragas work, it's it's uh, it's a collection of uh, and and I could be totally wrong on this, but uh, it's for, from what I remember, it's a collection of melodies that sort of delineate a scale, and the scale has certain affectations that are involved with it. So it's 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 actually very complex, but it's it's pretty much taught all by ear, uh, in, in you know in the traditional way. And, uh, and so, you know, Indian musicians pick up these scale forms and then they use them to compose, uh, compose their music with. And so uh, at the same time that uh, Charu was uh, encountering this as, as she was growing up and, and learning piano and everything, she was also really getting into jazz. And one of the things that really, uh, you know, really just uh, piqued her interest was... Uh, 
this, uh, you know, the whole New Orleans jazz scene. And uh, in, in specific, one of the, you know, one of the stuff was, you know, like ragtime music. And she has actually over the years gone down and uh, befriended the guys at the um, uh, Preservation Hall Band uh, down there in New Orleans. Uh-huh. And, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. and so she decided to make an album called Rags and Ragas. And, uh, and, and it's blending this uh, New Orleans jazz uh, ethos with some Indian classical elements. And, uh, you know, I, you hear about people doing unusual combinations like this. And, I, you know, I've done a few myself over the years. Um, and, and they don't always come out right. You know, sometimes it's just like, well, okay, that was nice, but uh, what's next? <laughs> but yeah. but not in this case. Uh, the album's only been out yeah, for a short time. It's already be- being uh, hailed by the critics as uh, you know uh, one of the best jazz albums this year. And it's, she's she's making a showing on radio. Isn't that and, uh, she's got she's got great musicians on there. You know this is uh, so it's her on piano, John Patitucci on bass, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Joe Lasty from the Preservation Hall uh, Jazz Band. Uh, on drums, and they sent this to me. They sent this song to me uh, earlier this year, and she said, "You know, I'd love to have you do a string arrangement on this." And uh, you know, I was just elated that something like this could come along. And uh, and so I, you know, I chose my instrumentation. Uh, I actually decided in this case to just go with a uh, a traditional string quartet. You know, two violins, viola, and cello. There are sure. quite often when uh, I would like to use a, a larger string section, at least six to seven people. And we're talking about, you know, a chamber setting still. I mean, if you're going to do a big orchestral arrangement, that's, uh, you know, 20 players, 30, uh, sure. something like that. But, but uh, I thought this, this would work out perfectly because uh, actually, you know, John with his, uh, John Patitucci with his upright bass is actually, I would consider him like the uh, the fifth member of the uh, of the string group, the string orchestra, and so mm-hmm. I wrote with that in mind that everything has got to be complementary towards what he's doing, and of course the the harmonies that uh, Charu is coming up with, and uh, how can I work around that and sort of weave all of these textures in to uh, sort of give the essence of combining uh, American and Indian music. And, uh, and so what, you know, what we have there is um, these, uh, and actually I guess this is uh, the Raga or Indian scale that she derived uh, for this, you know, for this composition that she wrote um, was yeah. one that is traditionally played in the evening, kind of like an early evening uh, meditation, a meditation piece that, uh, you know, gets you ready for whatever you're going to do in the evening. And so yeah. it's really interesting to think about that while you listen to this song, because at the same time, it's like I've got all these, you know, uh, also very familiar uh, American jazz elements uh, mixed in. Yeah. And, you know, Joe and John just, you know, get together, you know, they get along famously on this um and uh it, yeah it was it was just an absolute joy to do all this and uh this yeah this was one of those you know pieces that it did take a little work uh again i hired you know phenomenal string players 
And we got our, you know, we got our stuff done. Uh, but it wasn't just, you know, go in and laugh and play a couple notes and, ah, great, sounds great. Okay, see you later. It, you know, it took, <laughs> took a little doing, but, uh, but sure we got did. it in. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the way they, they mixed it. I think, uh, you know, one of the important things when you listen to a string arrangement is if there's going to be any pizzicato, that it be recognizable. Uh, and uh, the, the way the, uh, the mix and the mastering was done uh, lets you absolutely uh, enjoy that and, and, and partake in the full, you know, the full idea of the, the arrangement. So, um, yeah, that's, um, that gives uh, a little it, introduction it, uh, to this piece parade. Sure does, uh, Brent, and such uh, unusual bedfellows, aren't they? Ragtime and ragas, and uh, uh, let's give this a spin. much fun there wow that's a real toe tapper <laughs> huh uh it just if you, your big toe didn't go all wiggly there's something wrong with you uh <laughs> greg take away takeaways there greg uh, that's new uh something it sounds new and fresh obviously it does but, uh, you know yeah it does and it, it, it's great the string arrangements uh great like different you know not uh you know you always think of what else can somebody play that's that's different today uh and that's a, 
a good example of, of, of it's just that's very new and fresh to me. And uh, I, there's nothing more I can say. I'm like at a loss for words, but I, <laughs> I enjoy it um, immensely. But I, I'm not, I don't, I, I'm stuck right now. I'd have to listen to it a little bit more, but I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. And it's like, this is like yeah. new, something I, 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 I'm going to let these go into this rehearsal. I'm going to say, guys, listen to this. And, and, and <laughs> check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check this out. Well, so yeah. That's all I can say <laughs> right now. It's a, it's a, it's a song that uh, gets in your head, right? And uh, that melody uh, I'll be humming today now, I'm certain of it. And uh, there's a whole record of this uh, music, uh, uh, too, Brent, is that right to say? Yeah, and uh, you can uh, you can search her online. The, uh, the spelling of her name, first name, Charu, is C-H-A-R-U. The last name, Suri, S-U-R-I. And, yes. um, yeah, she's uh, she's... She's got this entire album. I uh, I produced it with uh, four other guys. Uh, you know, I was so happy with the concept when she first, uh, you know, called me about uh, doing the string arrangement that I, I, I just, you know, and I, I started offering suggestions and things, uh, um, giving her ideas. And then it just kind of, it's one of those things where it just kind of flowed out. And she, um she talked to the other producers and they, they, you know, officially asked me to come on board to sort of put in my, and and, you know, this was, I think this was a case where we had a lot of chefs in the kitchen, but not too many, you know, I think it was, it it still came out really well, even with, uh, even with four producers here. And, uh, you know, it's, it was, yeah, it was just a joy to work on. And, uh, and, and one, one other thing I wanted to point out, uh, these, you know, the string players, um, that I, that I chose for this, you, you know, you have to be able to get string players who, first of all, they need, they need all the classical background because I'm employing harmonies in there that, uh, I, would have you know that the inspiration for the harmonic content first came from my father Claire Fisher, but that he is the conduit for these uh, harmonies that were come up with uh, by a lot earlier guys. And uh, you know, the first uh, first and foremost is uh, Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. Um, mm. Before that, even there's uh, Stravinsky and uh, Bartok. Yeah. And uh, Shashikovich sure. and some of these other uh, orchestral composers that uh, sort of inform the ideas that I'm using in there, which, yeah, I, I don't think you'll you won't find a lot of that in the jazz realm. There are there are some guys. But uh, but besides that, besides that classical element there, of course, you feel the groove. The groove is is uh, New Orleans and it's it's jazz yes. and it's swinging and so these players need to be able to swing and that was uh, you know of course yeah, of right. primary importance because if they can't you know uh the old saying still stands it don't mean a thing sure right <laughs> if sure it ain't does. Just right. Swing. Sure does. Uh, indeed. Yes, so indeed. The, you know the old uh, saying is still, still applies here and so that was uh, absolutely of primary importance that these guys be able to do that and all the other stuff 
Yeah. Well, your your arrangement there, Brent, just elevates all the other components. There's no question about it. It's uh, it's got to be tricky, uh, even even with you know reduced uh, uh, strings and some of the other things that you mentioned already. Uh, you don't want it to become uh, a, a distraction. Each should stand on its own footing. I bet you'd agree. And uh, I sure think you caught oh, yeah. it there uh, for for sure. Uh, so it, it, thank you for making that happen. And uh, I know our listeners are, are loving that. And we're going to explore uh, the whole album and hope that that uh, gets some recognition, maybe even uh, a little trophy like you have on your bottom shelf. Uh, you, you, you were mentioning chefs in the kitchen, which made me think of something, Brent, that you said uh, the last time, Jan, you told a story about uh, uh, your dad. Uh, negotiating with uh, a, an artist, which you didn't you didn't name, uh, which I respect, but uh, you, you apparently were asked to remove the hot notes any number of times. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yep. And your dad, yeah, that your was dad, dad, yeah. <laughs> your dad at yeah. a certain point had uh, had had about had enough of that. And uh, said, oh, no, 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 all the hot notes are out already. And uh, it was just like the greatest <laughs> brushback and, and done with a smile, I'm sure. But uh, that was the end of those negotiations. I think it was uh, it was time to get down to business. Uh, but that's that's showbiz, right? That's showbiz. Yep. Um, do me uh, do me a favor, Brett. Uh, remembering Woody Shaw, the next one up here, uh, can you tell us how that one came together, please? Yeah, that was a really fun project. And, and that's something that uh, is, let's say it was, uh, you know, sort of an earlier, so this is from 2017. Um, the first time I, I, I think I started using the name, the Brent Fisher Orchestra. So featuring the Brent Fisher Orchestra on, uh, for instance, Charu's album or other people's albums. Um, the first time I did that was actually for um, Elvis Costello and the Roots. It was an album that they made called Wise Up Ghost in 2013. And the whole idea came about from Questlove. He, he knew he wanted to do an album with Elvis Costello and have the Roots be involved. And then him being a big Prince fan, he wanted to... Um, have, you know, have this, this whole idea of an orchestra on there that is uh, part of the Fisher sound, that includes the Fisher sound that was first conceptualized by my father and now carried on by myself. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, this is something that I, I decided to do a long time ago during his lifetime uh, is to sort of be different from all those kids of uh, musicians who said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I am going to, you know, I'm going to do something that's completely different from what my dad or my mom is doing so I can establish myself. In, in my case, it was important enough to me that the way, the ways of writing that my father conceptualized and some of these uh, you know, if, if the types of things that I talk about when I give music seminars or, or lessons uh, for uh, the advanced students that I have, I just I just teach all the advanced stuff and it gets it gets very technical. I often say that I exist at the intersection of art, science and math, because while the you know, the emotional uh, the emotional reason 
for making music in the first place is definitely there. There is a lot of work that goes into it when you're going to, when you're going to develop uh, creative systems like this. You know, I, I always refer to, um, you know, complicated sonic architecture. It's like when you go into a big building and you look around and you say, wow, how did they design that? Look at that. And this is, you know, this is supporting an entire building that people work in or live in. And, um, and, and yeah, this, it, you know, they're able to live their life because of that architecture. And I think it's the same way with sonic architecture. People get, uh, I hope, some joy out of this. And, and that is my contribution to civilization. So, um, yes, so what is. we did, you know, in getting this Elvis Costello project together was, was kind of just uh, like the next generation of how uh, my father worked with Prince in the eighties, nineties uh, and early two thousands. And uh, so this was, this was, you know, a great project. And that gave me the idea that I, need to I, I need to do more stuff in an orchestral setting, but the orchestral the orchestral part should not just be considered strings. I know a lot of people think, you know right. actually I get a lot of clients and artists calling me and say, Can you can you do a string arrangement on this? And oh. and oftentimes one of my you know, one of my first responses is, well, how about an orchestral arrangement? There's more to the orchestra than just strings. I know it's a large part, sure. but there is more to it. And in fact, the big band exists as an orchestra without strings. And, uh, and, and so, yep. Yep. you know, um, I, I got, I've got a, uh, you know, I've got a pretty funny picture of myself holding up my electric bass where you can see the strings uh-huh. on the electric bass really clearly and I, you know, I, I have the question in there uh, in the caption is, well, so when you think of the Brent Fisher Orchestra, do you think of strings? And, uh, uh, and, uh. And, and, and of course, that, that's because, you know, there are a lot of gigs that I do that uh, the only strings that are on there are the strings on my bass, and that's it. Well, maybe it's the strings <laughs> on the piano, yeah. but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. otherwise it's, uh, it's horn players. And so this sure. whole idea for the... Uh, for, for the project that came along in 2017, phenomenal Australian pianist, uh, really, really brilliant guy, beautiful, beautiful person. His name is Simon Pilbrow, and um, he's known down there for his uh, jazz work in the Melbourne area of Australia uh-huh. for many years now. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when he, he contacted me a long time ago because he was a Claire Fisher fan. And uh, he said, you know, I've been listening to your dad's music. I love all the things you guys have been doing over the years. And, and, and then we, we sort of became friends, uh, you know, long distance friends through email. And, uh, and then he started sending me some of his songs to listen to. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just thought, whoa, this is, this is amazing stuff. And so I suggested to him that, uh, you know, we, we do an album with the full Fisher treatment of uh of of his music and uh yeah. I, I didn't realize at the time but he had composed over 200 songs and he sent almost all of them to me and i listened wow. to all of them and i chose uh i chose about 10 that i thought would really lend themselves well to various types of um settings so on on this album which by the way is called colors of sound and it's spelled colors is of course spelled the, uh, the sort of the, the way the Brits, the Australians, the Canadians, the New Zealanders uh, spell it. 
C O L O U R S. Right? That U. Yes. Um, yes. So colors of sound and uh, with the Brent Fisher Orchestra, Simon Pilbrow with the Brent Fisher Orchestra. And, uh, and so we, we made this album where we would have uh, different settings for all of his music. Some uh, were just a jazz trio or quartet. Uh, there were some that were a uh, clarinet choir, which is the idea that I had gotten from my dad's you know, own group, the Claire Fisher Clarinet Choir. That I took over yeah. direction from at, at his request uh, as he started getting older towards the end of his life. And uh, so there are a couple of pieces on there that are with a clarinet choir. Of course, we had to do some with a full big band instrumentation. And uh, we've got, yeah, we've got four numbers like that on there. And, uh, and, and then besides that, we thought of, you know, a uh, sort of instead of a big band, how about a medium band? And so we've got a couple of uh-huh. no net settings in there. And the choice I had for the no net, a little bit different probably than uh, a lot of other no nets. I, I think no nets typically are uh, what we, we got trumpets, trombone, and maybe alto, tenor, perhaps baritone. Um, I thought to myself that, well, so, so that's been done a lot. How about if I have soprano and baritone? So these are two different saxes that could yeah, sound really more are. different from each other. They can blend together well, especially when they're, you know, you get the soprano down its lower register and the, the baritone up in the higher one, and then they kind of overlap a little yeah. bit, and they can, uh, sure. they can almost sure. be like alto and tenor, but with a little bit more difference between the sound than there is between an alto and tenor. Uh, and then to that, I added uh, two trumpets, and... Um, Instead of just having trombone, I decided to have trombone and bass trombone because we need to have that low end represented well. Yeah. And uh, so we, you know, we have the baritone sax, but adding the bass trombone also gave me a lot of uh, options in my color palette. And so mm. I did two, uh, two no-net arrangements uh, for Simon, and um, one of them was called Blue Six, um, which is a really interesting, it's a, it's a six bar blues that is repeated once. So it becomes a 12 bar blues figure, but it's, it's really interesting the way that works out instead of, you know, the typical four, 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 that uh, right. 12 bar blues are divided into. Uh, and then the other tune that we did was this amazing song that uh, Simon had written um, in, uh, in uh, tribute to Woody Shaw. And, uh, you know, one of the things, as I'm sure you remember about Woody Shaw, was uh, he was one of the few trumpet uh, improvisers to incorporate large intervals in his playing. Uh, and, you know, I'm sorry if I'm getting into terminology here that is, no, uh, good. you know, good. maybe not part of the, you know, not part of the, the, the normal terminology in, in everyday life. But in, in music, these, these are these are things that, again, they help differentiate you as a person and they help uh, you know give you an iconic sound and that's exactly what Woody Shaw had and, uh, sure and so in this case we've got uh, we've got Ron Stout in there who has his own brand of uh, iconic sound not only is he you know a uh, I, I mean when you think about trumpet players you think about high screaming notes right and and yes, the one thing that I've always you know, the one thing that I've always uh, 
been very proud of about not only the Claire Fisher Big Band, but also the Brent Fisher Orchestra, is that we, uh, we employ the full range of the trumpet. So we can have screaming, you know, screaming lead trumpets uh, up you know, at the top of the stratosphere on occasion, but we've also got that low end, the bottom end of the trumpet's range, which is such a beautiful sound and also is, you know, again, yeah. it, it has that range in common with uh, the mid-range of the trombone. And it's, it's just an amazing sound. And, and Ron, you know, Ron is, is uh, one of a kind. Ron Stout is just a beautiful human being and player. And uh, he, knows his, he knows his art so well. And uh, so we, we featured Ron on this song. And uh, this, yeah, so this was written about uh, Woody Shaw and employing some of the, some of the intervallic, let's say, uh, uh, devices that he uh, employed during his career. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how that came about for this album. Yeah, terrific stuff. Uh, let's give it a quick spin here. Yeah.
what fun, what fun. Uh, Greg, uh, clarinet and trombone, trumpet and trombone, doubling up and playing back and forth and together, and boy, does that contribute as a collective to what uh, our guest calls the Fisher Sound, uh, a great example of it there. Uh, what did what, you hear, Greg, Greg Rockingham? I definitely, uh, you know, if, 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 if no one would have said uh, a tribute to Woody Shaw, uh, if you're familiar with Woody Shaw, that would have been, a, that's what I thought about. I said, man, that's, yep. that's, that's Woody yep. Shaw. Uh, or I might have uh, coming out of that, and uh, just like he was saying, the uh, ranges of different instruments, uh, all that has to be considered. Uh, considered, and then uh, like getting the the Fisher sound. Uh, there's there's ways to to get sounds, and that's very very creative, and and that that was great, just fantastic. That was great. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I would like uh, to point out that uh, that's Bob Shepard on soprano sax. Uh, uh-huh. We've got, um, uh, let me see, uh, Chuck Berghofer on bass. Okay. And uh, gosh, yeah, some, well, anyway, it was all Is, great did, players. Did we mention Scott Whitfield, too, I see in your notes. But, um, yeah, yep. just, just a, a real monster players uh brett you you are able to uh i bet you pick from the who's who of who's uh on that la scene i think that's headquarters for you but uh yours is a worldwide palette i don't mean to paint you into a corner but uh you're in an awfully good town for uh the cream of the crop aren't you uh one of the things i enjoy in that particular song um, is that you build so much uh, drama with those uh, ascending phrases, and then you know you pay it off. You always pay it off, boy, do you! And uh, so satisfying to listen to uh, from from you know a, 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 not a novice, but I'm but I'm certainly not uh, as uh, adept as you guys at picking out pieces and explaining them. But uh, that's a that's a peach. That's an absolute peach. So uh, we just heard uh, three songs in a row from uh, from uh, Brent Fisher uh, and others uh, that, that he told you about. We're going to make sure those albums are posted to our show portal, uh, and uh, you, you are invited to uh, buy them up as you are able. Uh, it leads me into a question, uh, Brent, I wanted to uh, ask you about, you know, the, the, the changing landscape of music. I mean, we've got, I remember a day when, you know, you go to a record store and you'd, you'd, you'd flip through the records and uh, liner notes were, were not always a part of it, but it was pretty antiquated when you compare it to the ease of all the streaming services. And, uh, you know, what is ownership at this point uh, in the music business? I, I sometimes uh, get worried when I wonder, you know, how, who's paying the artists? You know, at least we knew when records were being sold that, you know, presumably the record companies were we're paying them. Uh, what do you say about the landscape as it exists today, and where are we going? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, I have, uh, you know, thought of myself sometimes as an advocate for a system that people can refer to as, you know, sort of being uh, outdated. Um, and, and that's the whole idea of physical ownership of music, because what happens right now 
with the way the streaming model is evolving. And this, this goes for TV as well, movies and TV shows, is that uh, when, you, when you sign on for a streaming service, you're paying a monthly fee, um, they hope, for the rest of your life, You'll be paying this monthly fee, and they will, uh, they will, they will push a lot of stuff on you. Now, they can't always get the best content because the artists that have the best content um, might want to charge them a little bit more. And and why should they do that when there's you know just oodles of other content out there that uh, they can either get for free or for a very low price? So they end up kind of it's it's almost like they end up pushing mediocrity on you. And, uh, uh, you know, you ever wonder, you ever wonder you're, you're looking around for something to listen to, or you're looking around for something <laughs> to watch on TV and yeah. it takes you, you know, it takes you an hour to find something. And then yeah. once you put it yeah, on, you start on. falling asleep after five minutes. Right. And nothing yeah. on. I got 700 channels. There's nothing on. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. And, and so, so what happens in that case is, is, you know, the streaming model uh, is, is it's, it's a, it's a very useful tool. I consider it to be a very useful tool for finding about new artists and for quickly studying something. But then if I see an artist that I really enjoy, I will go out and get a CD. Or if it's a movie, I'll get a DVD. I've got a giant DVD collection. Still got my working DVD players. There, there are a couple of DVD slash CD players at stores. I'm, right. I've been you know, buying some up to have as a spare because on, you yeah. know that when the, the last company to manufacture a CD or a DVD player goes out of business or stops, you know, stops making these things, streaming rates are going to go through the roof. Uh, and of totally, course, they have totally. they have ways of you know of of looking at what you're listening to, and and all your favorite content will become premium at that point. You'll have to pay extra for it. Uh, and and what I think about is you know just uh, again doing simple math. And you think about the amount of money that you spend to stream content every month, and uh, and and how much it would cost you. Let's say if you just wanted to stream an album of mine and there are some up there i uh, i purposely kept my last album um pictures at an exhibition the brent fisher orchestra pictures at an yes, exhibition sir. i purposely kept that off of some streaming services and and actually i you know i get people contacting me every once in a while i couldn't find it on my streaming service can you uh, can i get a cd from you and i'm like absolutely yes i've got them here yeah oh, yes, uh, they're available can. at clairefisher.com and brentfisher.com and uh, and so, the, you know, what you think about is if you want to listen to one of my albums on streaming for the rest of your life, because I have, after all, I am in the business of writing timeless music. I don't want to <laughs> write something that's just, uh, you know, I, it has to be relevant for today, but I'm interested in that music going on and on into the future so that new generations will find out about it. And hopefully some music scholars will want to study it and dissect it and learn from it. Yes, and then yes, teach it yes. to their students. That's that's my you know my main goal in life is the is the scholarly pursuit here, of creativity. And and so, you know you can you can stream that music for the rest of your life and and whatever that that monthly fee is that you pay, or you can buy the CD or a DVD if it's a movie, and then you own it for the rest of your life. You never have to pay for never it again does. ever. Right. And, and the, un, the, the, the unbelievable thing about this whole thing is because 
streaming royalties are paid at such a low rate to artists. And artists like me can actually earn more money from that one CD sale that then never is repeated for that customer's lifetime uh, than, than, you know, than I would ever earn from that same customer listening to my music on a streaming platform for the rest of his or her life. It's amazing. Just that one little, interesting. Uh, you know, the, the, the dollars, you know, when you're, when you're talking about uh, a, a dollar or two of profit versus 0.0017 cents of profit. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just, Probably. you know, throwing out numbers. Here. I'm not saying these are exactly that way, but, but it is, it's, yeah. it's really, you know, it's really a big difference here and it adds up over time. So I, I would encourage people who don't want to become, you know, in essence, a, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a, a, a slave to the, uh, the whole streaming model to strike out on your own, find the content that you like. Of course, you know, keep your, keep your streaming services, look at what you're interested in, um, you know, but maybe you don't have to subscribe to as many of them once you find all that good stuff. And uh, I, I like, I like the, uh, the ad-supported streaming services because that reminds there me of ad-supported mm-hmm. radio, ad-supported TV yes, um, that, that used to, you know, we used to be able to watch TV for free. And I think a lot of people yeah. Yeah. may not realize that, that, you know, the younger generation, that we used to get all of our TV shows for what? free because they were supported by ads. And not only that, but, the, you know, the, it gave the TV stations a big budget to be able to, you know, produce blockbuster content. And so the, you know, the emphasis really back then was on uh, quality, not pushing, yeah. the, you know, the idea that, you, you know, sign up for us and you can watch 3 million movies or 60 million Listen to sixty million songs. Never mind that none of them are, you know, by your favorite artists. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll give you all this stuff here. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, it, it gets that whole thing. Do you want to be in control of your own destiny and help support artists? And absolutely, yes. the way to do that is to uh, get yourself a nice DVD CD player. They're only about fifty bucks, and uh, you know, if you treat it well, it'll last you for decades. I've I've got a couple here that I, you know, I bought in the nineties. And uh, still use them. You know, my turntable is from the 90s and still enjoy it. I try and take care of it as best as I can. And, uh, you know, yeah. so I because I'm I, I love listening to vinyl, too. And uh, so. So, yeah, it's something, it's something to think about, you know, and, and I like these ad supported uh, streaming things that you can do where you, you go. You can go watch a, a TV show or a video. Um, and you might have to watch a commercial and you know what? I'll take those commercials. I don't mind those commercials. Uh, commercials are a, a good time to learn. You might learn about something new. And even if it's something that you're not interested, well, you know, you get a chance to go, uh, replenish your, uh, your glass of wine or, you know, whatever you're drinking right. or run to, run to the bathroom for a second. <laughs> like the way you're nothing else, you know? Um, yeah. That's men of a certain age. Are there for. I can say men of a certain age will know what to do with that 45 seconds. Uh, it, it, it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, you'd like to think that the streaming services will take better care of the artists if, they're, if their subscriptions are, are more or quite a bit more or even just a bit more. Uh, but we can't be sure of that, can we, uh, Brent? And it sounds like the safest bet, and what I'm hearing you say is, 
uh, direct, uh, direct if you can from from the artist uh, via a CD or DVD, and that stuff still works. In fact, uh, uh, my my car is equipped, and I bet most of the people out there listening still have that as an option. And there is no discernible loss of quality in in terms of uh, the the music and and the tone and all of that. In fact, I think it could even be argued that it's better than you know what you're going to oh, hear in stream. But I. Yeah, I always say that listening to uh, listening to the low resolution audio that you are given um, on streaming services is it's the audio equivalent of looking at an old grainy black and white newspaper photo as opposed to a nice beautiful high res full color photo. So. You know, uh, it's not necessarily the same thing on TV. Of course, they, you know, they, that's a visual, that's a visual element there. But, but when you're talking about, you know, getting all these songs out to, onto these servers, yeah, they don't, they don't exist in uh, high, you know, in, in high resolution formats on a lot of these services. There are some specialty yeah. places that you can go to, and and there's this whole audiophile movement where you know people are into ultra high resolution music and uh you know we we try and we try and dabble in that a little bit uh i i uh, you know don't quite have the time or the energy to make ultra high resolution versions of my uh of my music as of yet but it's something i'm looking into the into in the future and there's this whole thing going on with you know surround sound and these different um you know way these new technologies that are coming out and I definitely am, am happy to be a part of it when other artists are doing it. But, uh, but right now I think I'm, I'm still going to concentrate on stereo, you know, just having a really good stereo yeah. mix with high quality music at high resolution for people to be able to listen to. And, uh, you know, and, and then uh, the, the, the other thing is uh, that that also brings people to our i feel that uh i will get more people when they when they have a cd uh they're more likely to come to our live performances now i could Uh, be wrong about that i haven't done any you know statistical analysis or anything like that but uh you know i i i often we we get people coming up and buying cds at our shows And sure. uh, as a matter of fact, if it's okay with you, I'd like to tell you one that I that I have coming up now. It's it's not too uh, too much in the near future. If you want to save the date, it's November seventh, and it's going to be here in Los Angeles at the fabulous Herb Albert uh, Vibrato Grill Jazz facility that they have up here in the, you know this beautiful uh, Bel Air section uh-huh. of Los Angeles. It's up on a mountaintop. Uh, you know, oh, it's just a man. it's just a really great environment, and uh, you know, I'm so I'm so happy that uh, Herb Albert has been such a supporter of, of jazz through this fine facility of his, and so we're going to be there. The Brent Fisher Orchestra will be there on November seventh, and the reason why I mention a gig that's kind of far off in the future is because uh, now focusing more on uh, producing, composing, arranging in my career and not touring as much, I like to occasionally engage in what's called reverse touring. That's, that is where 
we perform here in my hometown and you come to us and you can have a vacation and, <laughs> That's right. you know, fly, book, book your plane tickets and your concert tickets now and fly out. And, I, you know, the reason I got that idea is because a lot of people started doing that about 20 years they ago. Uh, I, I, would just, I was just noticing that people would come to hear us. Uh, you know, I, I, I even remember one time in uh, a, a concert we were doing in Germany, we had an Australian fan there because, <laughs> I don't know, for whatever reason, the, uh, the plane ticket was cheaper for him to fly from Sydney to Frankfurt than it was <laughs> to fly from Sydney to Los Angeles. Uh, and, yeah. and see one of our oh, L.A. shows. So he came to came to a show that we were doing in Germany, and <laughs> uh, and so yeah, if uh, if you're if you're interested in flying out, taking a vacation in beautiful Southern California, no, it's going to be the weather's going to be mild in November. Uh, it might have yeah. a little bit of rain, but it'll be it'll be moderate, probably seventy, you know, around seventy degrees, something like that. Uh, have a good vacation Sounds and nice. listen to the Brent Fisher Orchestra. I promise. You'll be glad you did. I, I I will vouch for you in every conceivable way, uh, Brent. Now, uh, I wanted to talk just real quickly about your your work, recent work with Michael Feinstein and the Pasadena Pops Orchestra. Could you talk about that, please? Oh yeah, that was such a phenomenal, just <clears throat> amazing, fun project. So I got a call from him in uh, early '22 about uh you know he mentioned the name of this song and he said yeah your dad uh, you know claire fisher arranged this uh song for orchestra and rhythm section so you know in other words a pops orchestra and it was on a movie that was released in 1967 and i've got the album here and i just love the arrangement and i'd love to be able to perform it with the pops orchestra can we please get the score and parts from you and I didn't recognize this title. I had never heard of it. It's called uh-huh. the Flugelhorn Samba. And it's, it's a Claire Fisher uh-huh. arrangement. The song was originally by David Raxon and, uh, uh-huh. you know, well-known um, composer uh, from, six, I think, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, were when he, you know, wrote a lot of his hits. And I had never heard of this before. And I looked through our, you know, we've got a pretty well-organized uh, archives of, you know, the Claire Fisher music library here i've got a spreadsheet for it and so i can i can locate things if they're still if they still exist you know i mean we've got sure sure got a lot of arrangements that my dad has done for many people over the years i try and keep good track of my own arrangements for artists so that again that stuff can be uh passed on to others uh in the future and um uh, but I, I had to tell you, you know, Michael, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I didn't even know this score existed. I, this is brand new <laughs> news to me. It was it was done in 1967, apparently. And uh, and I, and I said, but but send me a recording of it because I have I, I have something that I can suggest. And so and so he sent it to me. I listened to it, and I called him back and I said, look, if you guys can give me some time. I would be willing to go and transcribe this note for note. And wow. I will, I will figure out what my dad did through the capabilities I have with my, you know, very highly trained ears, but also knowing my dad's style and what, uh, you know, how he would have written things and, and being familiar with that. And then you let me know what the sure. instrumentation is for the, 
for the Pasadena Pops, and I will I will reorchestrate it to be able to fit with your band, and you'll be able to perform it. If you can just give me some time, they say, yeah, absolutely, we've got some time. That's so cool. Uh, and and so that's that's what I did, and you know, to to try and describe what this is, uh, the the process of transcribing music. I mean, imagine if you're watching a movie and there are no subtitles you can't read any text so you got to really pay close attention you got to make sure you understand what everybody's saying that gives you a little inkling of of what this is and and keep in mind that you know hearing is our least developed sense right you know i i always take the example let's say you go into a restaurant right and uh you walk into the restaurant you smell the food you recognize what's cooking well oh yeah i smell barbecue chicken i smell whatever i I smell Uh potatoes Uh Yeah, whatever it is, I uh, smell vegetables. Um, so you recognize those smells right away. You can identify them. You got terminology. When the food comes to the table, you look at it. You say, "Oh, that's steak. Oh, these are green beans. Uh, whatever." This is, you know, you, you have all the terminology for those visual senses. Um, you taste the food. You can describe the taste. It's salty. It's flavorful. It's the, oh, I'm definitely I'm I'm eating uh, broccoli right now. You know, for example. Yeah. Um, but can you sit there in that restaurant and listen to the music that they're playing in the background and, and think to yourself, okay, I recognize here the drums are in four, four. Uh, the key is B flat major. The singer right now is singing a D natural. I hear, uh, I hear an alto sax playing an A uh, trumpet is playing an F. Okay. So this is a B flat major seven chord right now that we have going on. And, uh, you know, and, and just analyze all that stuff like you've just analyzed with your other senses about all your other experiences there in the rest right. of it. Right. And I think, right. you know, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of people can't do that. But fortunately for me, I can. I can listen to music. And you remember that old movie Amadeus where there's a scene where Mozart uh, in the movie, he hears a song one time. And then, right. uh, you know, they, they, they want to give him the written music for it. He says, oh, I, I don't need the written music. I've got oh, it all memorized, got it. you know. Yeah. And, and then yeah. he goes back and plays the music. And so <laughs> that's, that's what I have. Not that I have a photographic memory. No, I cannot hear a song once and then go and play it for you. But if I sit and listen to stuff repeatedly, I can dig down deep and understand what's going on there. And uh, so yeah, I use all my abilities. I would listen to that music and just putting it out. Uh, in in uh, bits and pieces onto score paper, figured out what instruments my dad used, and then figure out what instruments are available to the Pasadena Pops, and uh, orchestrate it in a fashion that would work for them, but also is true to the original. And the biggest yes. pleasure that came to me was when I stood in front of the orchestra for a rehearsal, and it sounded like the recording it sounded exactly like i knew the the recording to sound and uh and and then we did the performance and it was just a great experience and and then because of that i i thought to myself okay i just spent almost three months learning every note of this arrangement of my father's so that I i could then write it out for the orchestra but now what and and i thought no 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 i gotta reorchestrate this now for my big band and so uh, that's what I did. I, I then took, uh, you know, a piece that was for a 45 or 50 piece orchestra and I whittled it down to the uh, 19 people I have available to me in my big band. 
And uh, that's one of the pieces that we will be performing uh, at our November 7th concert. Besides uh, some Brent Fisher Orchestra material from my previous albums, and also it's going to be a retrospective of Claire Fisher music because uh, Claire Fisher, this October 22nd, would have been 95 years old. So wow. at 95, we got to we got to take a look back and see all the things. So we're going to play, we're going to play stuff that uh, Claire Fisher wrote in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and who knows? I might even find something from the 2000s as well. Uh, I think yeah. the last tune he ever wrote in his life was in 06. So um, so yeah, I'm I'm still putting together uh, some of the material, but I've got most of the I've got most of the show put together at this point and uh but this this uh flugelhorn samba which uh, has a dual title it's also called sambalero um that will be uh yeah and if you guys want to look that up on uh, on youtube there is a there's a youtube video of, of uh sambalero or flugelhorn samba uh that you can hear the original version and then uh, come check out the uh the orchestration that i've done of it for the Brent Fisher Orchestra here on November 7th. Well, it's a, it's a gotta-have ticket. Uh, I'm sure people will uh, be better for the experience. They'll never forget it. Uh, Brent, you, you are an American treasure. There's no, no question about that. And you are uh, carrying forward the torch to, to great music and uh, fitting tribute to your, your dad and others uh, surrounding yourself with such great players and bringing to us uh, some of the best music on the planet. We we thank you for that, Brent. We truly thank you. And uh, these airwaves are yours. Anytime we can help you promote your good works, I want you to ring us up and we will get you on. And uh, we will uh, post uh, links to all of the things we talked about by day's end. And we'll uh, get this out via streaming uh, services uh social media i should say and uh and you'll be able to connect to it with the click of your mouse and uh we encourage you to buy uh, uh directly wherever possible uh from brent fisher directly uh your website again brent please so it's simply brentfisher.com and of course my father's yeah. is just clairefisher.com and yeah. so i'd love it if yeah. you'd go there and take a look uh, you know we're slowly adding things as we get a chance. There are some things that are kind of under construction still on, on those, but uh, you can, you can <clears throat> look at a wide range of, uh, of music on there. And then uh, also, you know, we've got some photos of uh, some of the fun things that we've been part of over the years. And of course, I, I always say to people, uh, you know, if you like my music, Please follow me and my father, Claire Fisher, on Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff. We all, we have, yep. there are, you know, there are uh, uh, pages for each of us. Uh, and if you yes. don't like our music, please still follow us on social media. <laughs> yeah, by, by those, all means. You'll like it. You'll like it if you... If you give it half a chance, guys, you're going to just love it. Uh, you've heard some wonderful samples today. Uh, that is quite typical of what you will hear, uh, just more of that. And uh, But, yeah, high-octane, high-quality stuff that will have you tapping your toe uh, and really enjoying uh, layered music or orchestral 
uh, uh, jazz, uh, but it's much more than that. Don't 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 get don't get to thinking it's just that. It's got uh, all kinds of facets and nuances, and uh, all of them tastefully done by our good friend uh, Brent Fisher and his friends uh, at the intersection of art, science, and math. I just love that, Brent. I've learned so much today, Greg, uh, uh, for Greg and, and me. We just want to thank you. Uh, let's do it again soon, friend. And uh, if we can help in the interim, uh, you'll let us know, won't you please? Well, I, I thank you very much, Scott and Greg. It's, it's always a pleasure to speak with uh, such learned gentlemen. And, uh, you know, this is a great thing you're doing here, uh, not, not just for me or for you, but for uh, jazz and music in general and, I just really appreciate you guys. Well, back at you, friends. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. Ability. I learned some things. Sorry, Scott. Uh, I learned some things. Uh, uh, the pieces that you planned. It was great. It was great. You're great. That, yeah, everything. Is, everything is great. I'm. I'm even uh, looking at my uh, date book. Are we working? Are we planning anywhere? Maybe I. I think I need a vacation in California on Rosa Let's charter, <laughs> let's charter uh, a, a jet, Greg. Uh, we have a couple of good months here on the show. Uh, let's go out there and show up. I'll, I'll, can I bring my ukulele, Brent? <laughs> you can call it the Jazz Jet, right? They have a jazz cruise. Why not have a jazz, jazz flight? Cruise. Yeah, yeah there you right. go. Greg's done a few of those, haven't you, Greg? Uh, I know. Uh, he, I sure uh, have. Some yeah. details. He tells some funny stories. The things that happen on those uh, those cruise ships uh, are, are pretty pretty funny sometimes. But uh, good stuff, Brent. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the good work you're doing. And uh, until we speak again, uh, keep swinging, friend, won't you please? Thank you, and likewise. All right. There he goes. There he goes. Uh, Greg, what a what a man, Sean. He's just a delight. And. Uh, uh, we've gone so far over time, but I, I'm telling you, every word interesting to me. But we've got some yes, important yes, business here to conduct, and and I, and I want to get to that. So, uh, folks, if you'll just sit with me uh, real quick, we'll catch our breath. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got this day of jazz history, and Greg's going to break down another one of Brent's songs, uh, this time Eleanor Rigby, one of the Beatles hits. So stay listening. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Stay tuned. If you dig what you're hearing, friends, why not pick up some Jazz Mill and Soul Message Band merchandise? High-quality mugs and tees that are certain to make you the happiest cat around. Just take out your phone, ease on over to thejazzmill.net, click on the Swag tab, and get your order down. It's quick, it's simple, it's safe, and your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. For some sales, help jazz musicians against cancer, the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America, and the ASPCA. Welcome back for more great music and lively discussion on the Jazz Mill with your host, Scott Henderson. Yes, sir. Welcome back, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, well, you've just been treated to about uh, an hour and 15 minutes with the great Brent Fisher. Uh, what a dynamo, Greg, is he, and uh, so much wonderful music. He's made our lives better uh, with his good works. And, boy, to have an ear uh, like he has where he can hear, you know, uh, the keys of different instruments. And, I mean, that is just uh, crazy uh, uh, talented. 
that scene he mentions, did you ever see the movie he referred to Amadeus? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I've never seen that. That's one you... You'd enjoy that as a player. Uh, it, it is a scene where I won't try to describe it, but it's it's really interesting. And uh, you know, some people have uh, a gift like like his, evidently, and uh, certainly uh, Mozart was one of them. But uh, hey, I, I wonder uh, if we could throw it over to you, Greg. Here, I want to want to touch a base on uh, on uh, as we look back on the people before us. Uh, the history of jazz is very important, and uh, by now we've got you know over a hundred years of uh, recorded jazz music. Did anything of note happen uh, while we were gone? Okay, uh, September. Are you, you're talking about this day in jazz, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Back, yeah, sure. Right. Uh, saxophonist uh, Joseph Jarman was born in 1937 in uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And also okay. today, uh, trumpeter Bill Perry was born in 1930 in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Uh, but the one that stands out for me, and it's also uh, my mother's birthday tomorrow, but September 15th, uh, saxophonist Cannonball Adderley was born oh, in sure. 1928 sure. in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. And also yes. bassist Arvell Shaw was born in 1923 in St. Louis. And September 16th, uh, singer John Hendricks was born in 1922 in um, Newark, Ohio. And one that stands out is uh, the great... Uh, organist uh chris foreman was born on september 16th in 1957 i believe that was the year 1957 uh yes yep. and, and his birthday is uh this saturday so it's uh, this saturday last <laughs> september 14th 15th and 16th there's there were people kind of busy during that time take uh <laughs> making the jazz world much better so to, so that's, so to that's speak great. so to speak now this this Chris Foreman you mentioned, a uh, good spot right here to talk up a little bit of your uh, uh, induction, uh, Greg. I want you to tell that story. You've just come back a couple of weeks ago, I guess it's been now from uh, from San Jose where you guys were uh, given a great honor. Can can you tell us about it, please? I sure can. Uh, the uh, Jazz uh, San Jose Jazz Organ Fellowship uh, is. Uh, based in San Jose, California, and every year or every couple of years, they uh, induct a <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, Scott, uh, Not at all. an organist into the Hall of Fame, and they contacted me and wanted to uh, conduct uh, conduct induct the our trio yep. and Chris Foreman and of course Hammond BP organ our dedication to the Hammond BP organ into the uh, Jazz Organ Hall of Fame. So they uh, uh. flew us out, took, took great, great care of us, and we were actually a part of the San Jose uh, Jazz Festival. And uh, yeah. we played at the, the university, uh, in the university auditorium. They had a wonderful, wonderful organ uh, for us, and... Before the concert, before we started playing, they brought us out and brought uh, Chris out and presented uh, Chris with a, uh, a Jazz Morgan Fellowship Hall of Fame plaque. 
And then we yeah. were able to play. Uh, we played a uh, basically a two-hour concert with the intermission. Wow. And there was a, yeah. a guest saxophonist that played with us uh, out there. And and then where we stayed, the hotel where we stayed, uh, a lot of the musicians were staying in that hotel. So if you were huh. hanging in the lobby or, or, or something like that, uh, people from uh, – Gregory Porter's band, we got a chance to meet and hung out and talked. Uh, Patrice Rushes, uh, just all kinds mm-hmm. of musicians, and and just sitting and watching different musicians and their idiosyncrasies and the things that they do, uh, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. And um, okay. I think I, uh, it was, and then they, everybody was so friendly and so nice and supportive and. Um, it was just a great, great, great job and a great honor to 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 be a. Well, a, you guys a, earned it. Award that, Greg. You and then all is, is, Go ahead. Go ahead. Turn ahead. You go right ahead. I'm listening. No, it, it, it's uh, no. It was you know because uh, just uh, for Chris to be acknowledged with all of the rest of the greats like Jimmy Smith and. Jimmy McGriff and Jack McDuff and then some organ players today like Tony Monaco or Will Blades. He's a, a, a good friend and a nice, a, a nice player. And it was just, just great to see them wanting to push the Hammond B3 and, and combos and trio, but trios and quartets. Uh, yes, they were anxious to to, to to kind of keep that in the for in, in the forefront, or 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 even open some new listeners to that. They're dedicated, you know, to the Hammond B3. And by my father being a, a Hammond B3 player, that's always a special place in my heart for that for that instrument. And yeah. it's a, a yeah. fantastic, yeah. unbelievable instrument. So. It was great. It, Only thing a, that was missing yeah, was uh, uh, was Scott Henderson and his wife. That's the <laughs> only thing that was missing. Well, maybe maybe the next the next outfit that wants to induct you will be able to make. Uh, believe me, I, I I may as well have been there because that's all I did was think about that. I kept asking Susan. I wonder what they're up to. They're probably halfway through their set, honey. And I was I was living yeah. it, but not but not seeing it, but. Um, maybe there's a maybe there's a copy of uh, the, the 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 set of music somewhere that I'll get my hands on. But boy, uh, we were so proud of you uh, representing uh, as a, a Chicago-based band uh, on on a great big stage like like you found there, and uh, to to be you know in, inducted and uh, celebrated as as well you should be. Uh, and, and it's it's for you know I recognize that Chris is the is the, the organist, but uh, yeah, he doesn't do it without you, Greg. And uh, you know you've been with uh, Chris for thirty something years, right? Making music and growing oh, yeah. the brand. And, and Lee Rothenberg, wonderful guitarist here again, Chicago based. Uh, you guys, and I say it in the open of our show. Who was the truly the guitar truly the hottest? You big pardon. Who was the guitar uh, player you mentioned? I said, uh, Lee, Lee Rothenberg. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted wanted you to say that again because he's uh, right yeah. here next to me. Uh, we're getting he ready is. to do this. 
cool. Yeah, uh, Chris and uh, <laughs> right here. I just walked in. They're all there. Uh, well, I was just yeah, about to, was just yeah, about yeah. to say I'm holding up. I'm holding up your. Uh, I'm holding up your 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 session. But uh, guys, no, you, no, you, you, let me tell you, Scott. Let me tell you. Let me say the the Brett Fisher was Brett Fisher was uh, uh, so interesting. Uh, I'm in Chicago in the city at at Lee's place, and uh, I don't remember driving here. Because of all the new music that I was listening to, so I'm trying to. Pick, I looked around and I'm. I thought I was still home, and I'm not. So that was such an interesting. So and you asked some wonderful questions. So you did some great questions. Well, and listen, uh, I'm surprised that uh, he stuck around. I'm surprised he stuck around. Uh, he, he, I'm we pleased got that he stuck our... after the Sarah Lee. After the Sarah Lee <laughs> joke. <I'm... laughs> He laughed it off like a kind of a nervous laugh, I thought, but he did laugh. I uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> That's usually the reaction to my jokes, uh, but I digress. Uh, it, it, listen, one more, one more thing to do here, and I, I think uh, Brent may still be listening. I'm sure he'll be interested in your uh, analysis of uh, Eleanor Rigby. Uh, which I'm going to play now, and uh, if you could be prepared, Greg, to uh, kind of break that down for us, and then I'll let you get down to your session. So uh, spending that now. Okay.
so tastefully done. Greg, what'd you hear there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, now that we talked about, uh, we, we talked for the last hour or so with uh, Brent, it's like that the fish's style uh, is definitely yeah. uh, evident. Yeah. But uh, you hear it now, right? It starts yeah, out with, totally. yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I like uh, it. The, the, the song starts with the re- with the refrain, if you will. Uh, uh, and then all these lovely people, that's where it starts. And then it, at, at times, uh, it kind of feels like there might be some odd bars, uh, consciousness wise, uh, might be slipped in there. Uh, I think it is. But uh, then the melody is uh, played by a piano or keyboard. But then throughout the song, uh, uh, the melody is pushed around the different parts. Now, I know when we were analyzing things, you know, we would say pick out the instrument. It's more of an analyzing for, for the listener, not so much the musician. Oh, if it's piano, bass, and drums, a, a standard rhythm section like that. But this is uh, a big band. And uh, so yeah. the melody is inserted throughout the different uh, instruments in the band or sections in the band. Uh, yes, saxophones, yes. I believe, a, p- a, key- a piano or keyboards. I don't. Uh, 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 also, uh, somebody might state the melody, and then the trombones would answer it. So, um, yes, yes. The, the, the best way to listen to this is just to listen to it and see what the listener can grab. And what uh, what's interesting is Eleanor Rigby is a popular, is done quite a bit with different different yeah. people and then his take on it uh you know completely fresh different than 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 other arrangements of of this tune so just and then it's like i said you could hear the fisher sound or style in this yep. which i would have i might not have said that had i not spent the last hour talking to him and, yes, and, and yes. listening to him and with your questions. So uh, I'm not going to get too deep into this because you can't get at one particular time. You can't get as a listener, you can't grab everything. You're going to have to listen yep. for a minute and, 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 and learn. So that's my take on it. Uh, yeah, uh, that's great. Great, great takeaways, yeah. uh, Greg. And it's, it's like uh, poetry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you, you don't get it usually the first time or two through. It might take you four or five or ten times to really uh, pick up the the subtext and the subtlety and the nuance that you know really help you get your teeth into a song that uh, maybe you someday end up just loving. Uh, and it's because you right. heard and what, it. What helps? But you, yeah. And what helps is 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 uh, if you do listen to it on YouTube or whatever. I don't want to take any money out of anybody's hands, but I'm just saying, uh, uh, being able to read the lyrics as the mu- music is going is, is is real helpful. And okay, that's why he played. He had this section this way because l- listen to those lyrics or read the yeah. lyrics, and then so that helps uh, uh, knowing the yep. lyrics of the song and then listening to the arrangement. In my humble yep. opinion, yep. it does. 
Yeah, no, I think I'm sure you're right. And uh, it's it's that answer, right? It's the, the uh, right. The, the, the yeah, call answering each other, call answer. answer. Back, right, yeah, exactly. The, the, exactly. The, the back and forth, which is the which is that chug that we that we love as as swing jockeys, right? I mean, we love we love that uh, that bounce, and this is a form of that, isn't it? So great, great yeah. pickups, great takeaways, and I'm sure uh, uh, Brent would would be glad that you're you're hearing that, and I'm hearing it as you describe it uh, too, Greg. I'm picking up on some a uh, lot of stuff today, frankly that uh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't know or think of, and uh, boy, can we all be thankful for that? And uh, uh, just uh, shows you why uh, Brent was you know one of our he was our most popular guest to date, and I'll bet you this one's gonna even eclipse that eclipse that first visit. So. Uh, we are out of time. I want to thank you, Rock, for for your good work on this, uh, this this particular show. Uh, hey to the guys uh, for me. Uh, look forward to seeing you again live here very very soon. Uh, and our deepest appreciation again to our uh, guest Brent Fisher. And thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in at this time and every time to the Jazz Mill. If you dig it, tell your friends about us, won't you, please? Uh, we, we'd be so grateful. We, we are enjoying quite a rise in popularity. Uh, we are up for a Webby, and uh, we have been called uh, uh, among music uh, podcasts. We are in the top 100 uh, on a national scale, which is pretty impressive when you consider we're only about 40-something uh, shows in and getting better each time out, we, we think, we hope, anyway. So remember, folks, uh, with, even with – all of our foibles through the years. We did invent jazz in this country, and uh, let's use this wonderful music to build bridges and not walls. Uh, Here is another of Brent Fisher's great composition called Love's Walk, and we will play you out with that, and thank you again for your listenership. (laughs) 